The Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. The last time I took a long trip by car, I realized that our freeway system can be both a blessing and a curse. Of course, freeways allow you to drive at a good clip for just about as long as you might want to without stopping or even slowing down. But on the other hand, this kind of travel completely eliminates one of the most delightful aspects of crossing this country of ours. The small towns. You only know they are there when you see them named on those big green and white signs hung above the freeways. So most of us, intent on getting somewhere else as fast as we can, roar right past the exits that might deliver us to a charming shady street, a village lane, and most importantly, a quiet way of life that has disappeared from the planet except in a small town. Our story tonight begins and ends in one of those small towns. It's just about twilight. A row of elm trees planted by some considerate planter back in the early part of the century dropped their branches over an old sidewalk buckled by tree roots and frost heaves. Back from the sidewalk, across 25 feet of grass and shrubbery, nestle the old frame houses. These were built with that archaic feature once known as verandas, wide front porches, meant to give shade to a family on hot evenings long before air conditioning came in. Our story begins, then, on a veranda. You getting chilly? No. Don't want to catch cold. Are you cold? No, not yet. Surprised the Skeeters haven't started in on me. Well, then go on in if you want to. Oh, I'll stay out a minute or two more till it's dark. Say. What? Who's that out there across the street? Hmm? Over across the street, you see? She's walking along like she's trying to find a house number. Oh. Got her suitcase with her. I don't know. Never seen her before. Probably visiting the Wheelers. Wheelers are expecting company out from Chicago. Bert was telling me. Well, she's certainly looking for something. Yeah. Well, suppose one of us should go out and help her. I will. See who it is she wants. I will, Mother. Say, you looking for someone? Yes, I am. Well, I was told there was some family on this street with a room for rent. Room for rent? Hmm. Room for rent. Not that I know of. Let's ask my wife. Anything going on in the neighborhood, she's apt to know all about it. Well, that's awfully nice of you. Well, we'll just ask her. Well, I looked for, you know, signs in the window. Oh, maybe I'm on the wrong street, but I don't think so. Mother, you know anything about anybody who'd uh, have a room to rent? A room? Why, why, no. Young lady was told someone on the street had one to rent out. Mm, Oh, not to my knowledge. Who told you? Well, a man at the bus station. Well, that's peculiar. Well, this is Indiana Avenue. Oh, yes, this is Indiana. Well... Who is it you're visiting in town? Perhaps you could call them and they could... Oh, well, I'm not ex- actually visiting anyone. Oh? Oh, no. See, I want to live here. For a while, anyway. And get a job. You don't have anyone here, then? No. Yes, well, you can see what's going to happen next, can't you? Mother and Dad will invite the girl in and they'll discover she hasn't had her supper, so they'll feed her and she'll wind up staying the night. 
Now, if that's all there was to our story, we could all be excused and just go read a good book. But there's more. As I said, this was just the beginning. There is a middle, and there will be an end. And I invite you to stay around and hear it, because it's a kind of a story that couldn't happen anywhere except in a small town. And seldom even then. More in a minute. Well, now, where were we? Oh, yes. The middle-aged couple had an overnight guest. She said her name was Stacy Palmer, and she was from just outside Lincoln, Nebraska. And she'd bought a bus ticket that took her just down into Missouri, and she liked the looks of their town, so she decided to stay a while and see if she couldn't find work. That had come out last night. Well, they put her up in the spare bedroom, and next morning, Mother pulled out the dinette table and set places for three, and used the better china instead of the plastic bowls, and Dad put on his snap-on bow tie with a brand-clean shirt. They also wore an air of expectancy, a glimmer of anticipation behind their gold-rimmed spectacles, as if they had something to spring on their new guest. As, indeed, they did. Good morning. Well, good morning. My, how fresh you look. Sleep well, did you? Like a log. That's good. My, what a pretty dress. What happened to the blue jeans? Well, I want to look my best if I'm going to look for work. You look just fine. I'll say. Come on, sit down. I hope you like oatmeal with raisins. I love it. You sit right here, Stacy. Mother and I sit on either side. Thank you. Now, I really appreciate this. Well, you didn't have to fix me breakfast, too. No trouble. No, we have plenty. Well, uh, Father, will you say grace? Uh, you, uh, mind if we say grace? Oh, no, of course not. We, uh, <clears throat> just say it silently. Amen. 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 Now, you dig into that oatmeal. And while you do, you might give a thought to something Mother and I were talking about last night after you turned in. Oh? We, uh, We were thinking, uh... If you don't happen to have some other place in mind... Well, just for the time being, of course. And that is if, if you found the room to your liking. Oh, well, I love the room. Well, being that you're new in town and... Uh... Uh, would you like to stay with us? Uh, just for the time being, I mean... Town's only six blocks down. All the stores, except for out at the new shopping center. Well, you catch the bus right up at the corner. What do you say? Oh, I, I'd love it. Just love it. Oh. And I'll pay in advance. Pay? Well, how much will it be? Why, we hadn't talked about charging anything. Oh, especially till you get a job. Oh, but you see, I have some money. Oh, really, I'm not starving. Why, we wouldn't charge you to live here. You see, we... Well, well, let's just say it'd seem good to have a fine young lady in our home. Yes. <laughs> but you don't know me. I'm a stranger. Well, we don't think of you that way. You don't? No, no, and... We hope you won't feel like we're strangers to you. No. It's funny, but... Well, last night, it, it seemed as if I belonged here. Isn't that strange? Well, Stacy found herself a job. It wasn't much clerking in a fabric shop, and it must be said that she tried two or three times to get the folks where she stayed to take money for her board and room, but they wouldn't hear of it. Stacy said it made her feel like she was taking advantage of them, not even paying for the food she ate. So finally, about ten days after she'd first come there, in the evening, out on the veranda, 
she broached the subject for the last time. Could I talk to you for a minute? Why, sure. Sit down here on the glider with me, Stacy. Sure a nice night for so late in the season. Yeah, I was just thinking of making some lemonade. Would you care for a glass of lemonade, dear? Uh, no, I... Oh, I really want to talk to you about something. Well, go right ahead. I really can't stay here any longer. What? Why not? Because you won't let me pay you. Oh, we've been all through that. Are you unhappy here, Stacy? Oh, no. No, I'm not a bit unhappy. Only it makes me feel bad not to be paying you something. Well, at least for food and the utilities. Oh, I can afford to. It isn't a matter of money, Stacy. But you're retired, and it isn't fair for me to just tile it. Yes? Stacy, your being here makes us very happy. That's right. You see, we once had... What is it? We once had a daughter. She, uh, died. She'd have been just about your age now. She had your coloring. Same color eyes, hair. That puts her room you're sleeping in, her bed. Oh. Time and again, since you've been living with us, we've said to each other how wonderful it is to have a... a daughter living here again. You didn't have any other children? No. What was her name? Mary Louisa Peterson, after my grandmother. Did you notice those little photos over the piano? That's her. She was just 14. She would have been 25 this October. How old are you, Stacy? I'm 25. Well, I don't need to tell you Stacy stayed on and the relationship softened into something much less like a border and more like a daughter. But then you saw that coming, I'm sure. There's something else coming. I wonder if you've already guessed that. We'll see in just a minute. In those small towns, Christmas is really Christmas. The merchants decorate trees outside their stores, and the homes mostly have snowmen outside their doors if the weather cooperates. In this particular Christmas time, a fresh four inches had fallen on the night the Petersons had done something they hadn't done in the 11 years since Mary Louisa died. They had an open house. And by 11 o'clock, the guests had all left, with the exception of one, a young man who had spent most of the evening looking at Stacy. Come on, let me help you with the dishes, Mrs. Peterson. Oh, I wouldn't think of it. Now, you go talk with Dad, Richard. Mr. Peterson, I think he's gone to bed. Yes, he did. Said it was past his bedtime. Well, then, I'm just going to do up these few dishes so I won't have to face them in the morning. Oh, I'll help, Mother. Oh, darling, you're just too good to be true. Why don't you and Richard go in the front room and get to know each other? Now, that's a good idea. In fact, uh, what about the veranda? Oh, it's freezing cold outside. Well, I could use a breath of air. I'll get my coat. Oh, let me get it. Well, it's in my closet, in the back bedroom. Or the, the one with the fake fur collar. Oh, I'll find it. Be right back. Oh, he's a fine young man. Oh, he's been so kind to us ever since... <laughs> he was in her class at school. Richard? What's his last name? Adler. My, he used to mow our lawns for 50 cents. 
What does he do now? Oh, he's on the police force. He's a policeman? Mm-hmm. Well, that's funny. He doesn't look like he'd be a policeman. It was a childhood ambition. He used to pretend he was a policeman always. I used to hear him making a noise like a siren when he'd ride his bike down the street. Then he went into service and got into the military police, and when he came out, boy, the police department snapped him up just like that. He's a detective now. Is that so? You know, you know, I think he's taken a shine to you. I noticed him looking at you all through the party. You did? Well, I didn't notice. Oh, a policeman sees terrible things, dear. Even here in a nice little town like this. It's hard on them. Well, what I mean to say is it, uh, it makes them... Well, they can't be as sentimental as a normal person. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I suppose. I would surely not envy the girl who is married to a policeman. You read all the time about how their marriages fall apart. It's the cruel kind of things they have to see in their work that does it. I'm sure. But I'm not about to marry a policeman. That's one thing I know. Oh, I wonder what's taking him so long in there. Oh, I should have gotten my coat myself. Is uh, this the coat you meant, Stacy? What? Oh, oh yes. Uh, yes, thanks. Here, let me uh, help you on with it. Well, thank you. There you go. Are you sure I can't help with the dishes? No, no, I'll have them done in no time. Well, uh, shall we brave the elements? All right, for a couple of minutes. Oh, don't get too cold out there, dear. And no, Mother, I won't. Well, I think it snowed a little more. Yeah, it's uh, warming up a little bit. Mom says they've known you ever since you were little. Mm, yeah. Uh, do you mind if I ask you something? I guess not. Well, where do you get this uh, this mom and uh, mother business? Well, that's what she likes me to call her. I see. Her idea? Yes. You don't approve? <laughs> you can call her anything you like as far as I'm concerned. It's none of my business. I was just curious about the relationship there. Why don't you just come to the point, Detective Adler? Oh, she told you. Yes, she did. All right, so I'm a policeman. And you're curious about my relationship with Mr. and Mrs. Peterson? Yes, frankly, I am. You see, I, I don't know whether she told you this or not, but I've sort of appointed myself an unofficial watchdog where the Petersons are concerned. Well, I think that's great. They're fine people. Yes, they are. And vulnerable people. Because of what the loss of their daughter did to their lives. She was born pretty late in their lives. Mr. Peterson was a prosperous businessman here in town. When Mary Louisa was killed, he sold out everything. And they just stayed to themselves here in the house. They didn't see anyone, talk to anyone. They just pulled in their horns. He invested very wisely. And they live on the interest. Probably worth in the neighborhood of half a million dollars today. But then I expect you you know all about that, don't you? How would I know that? How would I know anything about the Petersons except what they might have mentioned to me? And they certainly never talk about how much money they're worth. I want you to know I came off a bus in this town last summer not knowing them, not knowing a soul. That's so? That, yes, that's so. And you just happened to be walking down this street and... Just happened to ask Mr. Peterson if he knew of a room to rent? Yes. No. No, Stacy, that isn't how it was at all. You planned every move you made from the, me from the moment you got on the bus in Kansas City. You told the Petersons you came from Lincoln, Nebraska. That's a lie. You never lived in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
I think you came from Kansas City. I also think you did a heck of a lot of research on the Petersons and found out they were loaded and still grieving for the loss of their only daughter. So you figured out how to slip into their lives 11 years later and gradually take the place of their own child. Object, inheritance. That is absolutely wrong. Oh, is it? Then explain what I found in the back bedroom just now. Exhibit A. Clippings from the local paper dated 11 years ago with a big story about the death of Mary Louisa and a picture of her. Exhibit B, a page torn out of the phone book with a Peterson's address circle. How dare you ransack my room? Exhibit C, a bottle of hair bleach and a spare pair of contact lenses to transform black-haired, brown-eyed Stacy Palmer into a blonde-haired, blue-eyed counterfeit of Mary Peterson. Even lied to them about your age. You're two years older than Mary would have been. You really had some nerve, didn't you? But it's starting to pay off, isn't it, Stacy? They're already treating you like a daughter. And you're calling them mom and dad. And one of these days, when the time comes and they die, or will you have the patience to wait until then, when they name you beneficiary? Will you help nature along just maybe a little? I don't want to listen to your filthy mouth anymore. No. Neither do I. Oh, no. I'm sorry. You forget I sleep in the front bedroom. You got to talk an awful loud out here. Excuse me. I'll go back and clear out. Just a minute. Let me in the house, please. I'll be gone in five minutes. Just hold on. Stacy, are you saying that what Richard says about you is true? I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Peterson. I've done a lot of checking, and I'm afraid I've got the proof. I didn't ask you, Richard. I asked Stacy. Well, Stacy? Yes. It's true. Dad, what's the trouble out here? Easy, child. What is it? Well, you might as well hear it, too. Yes, my home wasn't in Nebraska. It was in Kansas City, not even 75 miles from here. And I lied about my age. I'm 27, not 25. And yes, I knew all about you before I came down this street last summer. And I did dye my hair and change my contacts so I'd remind you of Mary Louisa. But why, Stacy? Oh, I'm not through yet. I knew Mary Louisa was dead. I even know how she died. I found these clippings from the paper in her room. Oh, but I didn't need the clippings, Mr. Detective. I knew all about it, better than anyone else. I was 16 years old, driving my father's car after an all-day beer bust. And I took a shortcut down the county road. And there was this girl on her bicycle, all alone. And I, I, was, I was going too fast, and she rode in front of the car and mudded. Well, I didn't stop. I was too scared. So I drove on home, and, and then I heard that she died. And that's what I've been living with for 11 years. May I ask why you came back here to us? For 11 years, I've lived with this. And then last summer, I said goodbye to my old life and pretended to just happen to be in this town on your street. Why? Was it like Richard said, for the money, for an inheritance? No. Of all the things I ever wanted in the world, it was never money. All I ever wanted was to give you back your little girl. So the only thing I could do was to give you... Myself, to give you back someone to love. 
Stacy, you do understand you've confessed to a crime. Yes, I know. I'm going to have to ask you to come with me. Yes, I'll come with you. Just give me five minutes to pack. No. What? No. You go on down to the police station, Richard. Father and I will drive Stacy there. Won't we, Father? Yes. Yes, by thunder. And then we're all coming back here. Back home. Well, now you're entitled to know how it all came out. Stacy stood trial in the county courthouse and drew a heavy sentence, which was suspended in view of the evidence supplied the court that she'd planned to dedicate her remaining years of her youth to the task of making the Petersons' lives richer. And who do you suppose supplied the crucial evidence? Why, Mother and Dad Peterson, who else? I'll be back with the names of tonight's players and a word about our next crisis offering. Tonight, Crisis presented Deborah Adair, Pat French, Merrill Mail, and Terry McManus in A Gift from Stacy. Sound by Jeff Thompson, engineering by Carney Barton. The program is produced at Audio Recording Incorporated. Script and direction by yours truly, Jim French, who invites you to be with us next week when again we offer you Crisis. Crisis.